Good evening, everybody. As you can see on our screen, our guests are coming in via uh, Skype or, I don't know, Zoom, one of the two, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, we, have, we have Robbie and Landon Starbuck. Uh, this is an amazing power couple. And the reason why I say power couple is because they've been instrumental in affecting culture in such a profound way. I, I had the privilege to meet them through mutual friends that we had. Yeah. And, and this is actually the first time I've had the chance to see them in person. Not in person, but see their face. And you're going to be mesmerized by their story. The three of us were talking earlier with them, and we were absolutely captivated. Uh, their story, and really, this is going to be one of those evenings where the three of us are not going to be asking a lot of questions because you kind of just turn this switch on, <laughs> and these two just go. And what they have to, to share is what we really need today in, in, in the culture in America and the story uh, for Robbie is one that is fascinating in regards to his family because it's a family that was trapped and enslaved in socialism in Cuba and then delivered here to the United States and through the American dream, really of hard work. You know, before you is a producer, a music producer, a, a video producer, and Landon is an amazing singer. She was signed. T together, they are so gifted and so talented and, and a lot of people are gifted and talented, but they're brave. And, and, and the principles upon which they stand is really what captivated the mm -hmm. three of us. So we're not going to do a lot of talking. And wait till you see that this is going to blow you away. So uh, <laughs> where do we start? Yeah, where do we start? Here's the switch. Boom. <laughs> Take it away. Tell us about yourselves. I, we're just going to watch. Be careful, so. what you wish for. Yeah, be, be careful what you wish for. If you turn the switch on with me, sometimes you can't turn it off. Yeah. Um, so I'll start. I guess the easiest way to start is before I was born, because um, I think that uh, a great thing to begin with is I wouldn't be here without American freedom. I wouldn't be here without American capitalism. Um, I wouldn't have been born because my mom would have never had anywhere to go and she would have been trapped in Cuba and likely our family would have died there. Um, so in Cuba, when the revolution was happening, my family really had one option. Um, Castro's men came to where they lived in that area. It was called Ciego de Avila. And told the people there, you know, you have a choice, you give up your possessions and we'll give you plane tickets to America or, you know, you don't. And I think you guys can guess what would happen. So my family, they came to America and America welcomed my family with open arms. And I think that that colors a huge part of my story, my background and the core of my being, because I understand how lucky I am to be American. Um, it was, I'd say, you know, pummeled into me almost every day of my life as a kid by my grandparents, my great grandparents. Um, and I was lucky to have them. I was so lucky to have, especially my great grandpa. He had the biggest effect on me in life because I saw a man who was a hard worker, well-respected, never complained. When he was in Cuba, everybody loved him. And he was at, you know, pretty close to retirement age. But then the revolution happened. He came to America in his 60s and started over not knowing English, working two jobs as a janitor, and never complained about any of those experiences. He did what he had to do for his family. And if anything, he was always grateful. He was just so grateful to be here. And so, you know, I feel like I'm living proof there's a whole lot of victimization that happens in our country right now, especially if you're a minority and being Latino male, I can say like, I'm not a victim. My family came here, I, I'm, I'm lucky. You know, I'm a victor. I saw the opportunity mm -hmm. in front of me and I fought for it and I worked my, tail off. And that's why by the time I was 16, I had already finished my first year of college because I was putting the work in. And that's what America is. If you put the work in, you can succeed. And so I had no Hollywood family. I had no money or connections to Hollywood, but I knew what I wanted to do. And so I worked harder than anybody else. I didn't necessarily have more talent, but I worked harder than them. And so I got there and eventually I started directing huge artists, Oscar winning actors, Oscar winning actresses, some of the biggest music stars in the world. And, you know, those experiences then sort of helped me start to begin to piece together ideologically who I was and understanding that that background for my family didn't just mean I was politically one direction. I started to realize the innate morality that I had didn't fit in Hollywood. Yeah. I wasn't going to the parties everybody else was going to. I didn't want to go. I'd been to them and I'd seen what went on and it just disgusted me. It wasn't, it wasn't something that in my 
And it wasn't even religiously based, that feeling. It was just an innate morality that God put in me that these things you inherently know are wrong. And so, you know, I'd say as every day, as every minute ticked by, I knew I didn't fit more and more and more, but I was afraid to say anything for a little while. And I, I feel like that's an important part of the story too, because when you have that fear, you're holding yourself back. The, a fear-based mindset is, is sort of like just a giant roadblock that you're putting in front of yourself. Hmm. And so I did that for a while. And, and um, my wife was really the reason that it broke down because she knew that I wanted to be myself. I wanted to be vocal. I wanted to state what I saw and, and what I felt about it and what was on my heart. But I, I was afraid at that point. And it was mostly because of being a dad. I was like, I didn't want to put my kids in a position where socially they would feel ramifications for me coming out. I didn't want them to feel like there was they, I didn't want them to have any any sort of negative negative feedback from this choice that I would be making, you know, sure. whether that be me losing money from coming out or whether it's losing friends or whatever. So, you know, but she pushed me and she said, we only have one life. You have to, you have to do this. You have to be who you are. And I married you because of who you are. Mm -hmm. You need to be fully who you are. And that push that she gave me was so important because that's, that's when I came, I came out, you know, on Fox as a Republican and I was not super popular in Hollywood, but I thought um, I, I thought you were going to say wait 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 I thought you were going to say you came out gay. You kept <laughs> using the term. Come out, come out, come out. God, no, I'm going whoa. Okay. All right, yeah, that's the 2020 version. We're like Landon. Landon, you're amazing. You're hanging yeah, in there with really him. He's coming out publicly. Okay, sorry. We're teasing you. But it is the 2020 version of coming out as gay in Hollywood. You know, is that? Yeah. You know, so that experience though. So um, everything I thought would happen happened the, in terms of negative feedback um, and people we had known our whole lives um, where our kids had gone to their kids birthday parties and done play dates on a regular basis and everything our whole lives um, around these people. They ghosted us or in no uncertain terms, let us know because of politics. They didn't want to be involved with us. So, um, you know, we started to really see what the underbelly of all of this, this was and that you don't really have real friends in that world if you are truly yourself. So, um, you know, that's, that's sort of where we came to this decision where, we, you know what, the best place for our kids isn't in L.A., it's not in California, it's, it's to move somewhere where there's like-minded people and build our own ecosystem for what we do and what we love and you, use the yeah, gifts Robbie, God gave us. Robbie, you didn't you didn't you didn't know our you didn't know our church was here. You would have found community. Yes, here. I did. <laughs> Sorry. I knew it was in California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, had to you come guys hang are out with the us. belly of the beast. I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we're glad you could join us remotely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I'm not going to lie. I try not to come back as often as I can. You haven't been. Have you been to Franklin, Tennessee? You come here, you're not going to want to go back, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've been to where everybody retreats. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We're here fighting on the front line. But never mind. We're no, we're and, hey, all the power to you. I have, I have a lot of respect for the people who stay and fight, but I was like, you know what? I, I just can't do it with my kids anymore. Right. Um, and it was especially like, you know, you're in that sort of like near Malibu area. It's, it's not very friendly place. Place to, yeah. to people like us. So. I, I can see it from here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Hey. Just, we're totally supportive of, yeah, of what's we going we on. We're just having fun. We, yeah. We've just we've watched more people leave the state of California than came here during the Dust Bowl, and especially. You know, it's like, did you ever see the explanation they had where they tried to say it was good news? The LA mayor tried to say it was good news, and Gavin Newsom tried to say it was good news that they were losing citizens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're wow. trying to spin everything. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's tragic. Yeah. No, we get it. I, I get it. Look, uh, you, you rise and fall before one master. That's the Lord. You look at your kids. You have three of them. You yeah. and Landon have to make those decisions. I got five kids. I got, uh, you know, three grandkids, one on the way. That's four because I'm pro-life. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I just, I get it. Um, but I, I, I can say it breaks my heart to realize that, that, the younger generation, young marrieds, you, you, can't, you can't live in this state. And it was Congressman, um, uh, I've forgotten his name. He's up north. Anyways, he said. Scott Wiener? No, no, no. No, this, was, <laughs> this is a good congressman. Uh, he, said, he said, Tom McClintock, he said, yeah. 
what can cause someone to leave the beauty of California for the, the, the deserts of Nevada and the wastelands of Texas? And he said one thing, bad government. Yep. Um, and yep. you, guys, you guys have gone to Franklin, Tennessee. And, and you know what? Tennessee's not doing that well either. You, you've got some issues. You know, Nashville, you've got a mayor there that is hiding the data and messing. And, yep. and wherever we are, and bless you guys, wherever we are, we stand. Yeah. And that's what you're yeah. doing. You may be in Franklin, Tennessee, but doggone it, you're standing. And I'm yeah. so blessed by your story and, and, and how it was inspired by Landon, too. So I'm, And God's given you a bigger platform yeah, than he's going to give any of us. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're in your I, corner I rooting this. for you guys. I, I, may just, I may just run against that mayor's brother. His, his brother's a congressman <laughs> that covers that district, and, and yeah. he's just begging for somebody to run against Do him. Do it. Uh, yeah. oh, awesome. We're with you. We're with awesome. you. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm done interjecting. Jump. Keep going. <laughs> switch is back on. I think I'm going to turn the switch to, to Landon. You want to tell them a little bit about, like, your experience? Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, we have three kids, 11, 7, and 4. Um, and part of that decision, you know, there's, there's that saying, you know, if the flower isn't growing, you know, it, maybe it's the environment, not the flower, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, you know, our kids and, and myself included were not flourishing and growing. Um, in fact, I was in a very dark, you know, depression during this time, and I didn't feel supported and uplifted by, you know, other women. And it's so ironic because in California, there's this, um, there's this messaging of feminism and women supporting women. And when I found myself unexpectedly pregnant, um, Robbie and I, uh, I thought well, maybe that. Explain that. At, why, yes, at why the, were you unexpectedly pregnant? I was unexpectedly <laughs> pregnant. Um, well, I at 16, um, I had ovarian cancer. I'm, I'm a childhood childhood cancer survivor, and I was told that if I did have kids, if I was able to, lucky enough, I would have to have you know IVF um, help doing that. So I didn't think you know in our early days of being married that that was even going to be on the radar. And I was at uh, the, the peak of my career. I was really climbing the charts on Billboard. I was touring the country. Um, I had a radio hit. I mean, everything was going really well. Um, and when I found out I was pregnant, I mean, it was very shocking, but also so exciting. And I, I mean, I'd always wanted to be a mom. Um, and the timing was very interesting, but I shared the news with, you know, label, manager, agent, bandmates, everybody. And, and the female friends I had that at the time were proud feminists. Um, and the feedback I got back was one of, when are you going to take care of this? And it was not supportive. And I didn't feel that women were supporting me. Um, and that was the start of this realization I have. And people ask me, were you always conservative? I did grow up in Texas, but I wasn't always conservative, at least in, 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 in my attitudes. At the time, I, I can consider myself a feminist because I thought that meant supporting other women. Yeah. Um, although I never got on board with the idea of abortion, um, in other aspects, I was all about uh, women empowerment and fighting, you know, other women in other countries being forced to wear hijab and, and being essentially slave, sexual slaves. Um, so that's something I've always been pow uh, passionate by is helping women and supporting women that are voiceless. But then again, that wasn't the message that feminism, you know, was, was talking anymore. about and preaching yeah. about. Yeah. And so when I had these, these experiences that the, it was like layers of an onion un uncovering myself. It was always there inside me. God put that in my heart. It's always been inside me, but I had all these layers of what I thought I was supposed to be in the world. And so each experience uncover that layer and until that, that integrity was there. Mm -hmm. Now I had my integrity and I want to talk about the industry for a moment. As a woman in the industry, there's an open sexual quid pro quo that goes on. It's not popular to talk about, but it happens and it's real and it's true. And anybody who's been in that industry and decided to leave will, will come forward and, and, and echo that, that same experience. Um, also pedophilia. Very, it's an open secret that happens in Hollywood. And we don't have to look any further than the countless uh, celebrities that start out in Disney and Nickelodeon and look at the trajectory of their lives and watch how horrible that manifests. That those we, we should interject to say something, mm -hmm. though. You know, there's a lot of people in Hollywood who say it's an open secret and they never said or did anything about it. But, like, for instance, I, I found out that the director of the X-Men movies, Brian Singer, mm -hmm. um, was having these parties where they had underage boys and that Brian Singer was abusing those boys. And I knew that there were victims who were trying to come out that had gone to LAPD 
And so I started saying it publicly, like, why is, is nothing happening here? Why is nothing happening to this guy? There's all these victims. And he's basically lured these young boys in, promising them huge parts and huge movies. This guy directed gigantic movies, the X-Men movies, the Bohemian Rhapsody, like big movies. Okay, he's an Oscar winning director. Um, and nobody ever did anything about it. And the reason why, and I challenged him every time I spoke out saying, if I am lying, Brian Singer, sue me because I would love to go through the discovery process with you mm -hmm. and have that all go out. And he's never sued me for that very specific reason. There's no way he wants to go to discovery. He doesn't want all that stuff out in public. Um, and it's, so we did do the work of calling it out when we saw it, but there's so many people who don't do that. And so many situations you hear secondhand from trustable sources where you can't be the, the you know, person because you didn't visually see what happened or you didn't get it from the direct victim or something like that. But it happens all throughout Hollywood. And it's, it's not, you know, I will say this. There's some people who have this idea that everybody in Hollywood's like that. That's not the case but it is much higher prevalence than it is in society. Right. And I think mm. that goes along with sort of their, their drunk on power. Would you agree with that? Like it's like right. a, the, the quest for power never mm -hmm. ends mm -hmm. because that's what they're serving. They're not serving God or an innate morality. They're serving that, that hunger for power. Right. Well, they're yeah. participating in it to some extent. And that's, that's the issue is that it's a very incestuous system. So, you know, the, the actor that starred in the pedophiles movie might not be a pedophile, but he acted and benefited and partaked in the right. same thing and yep. looked the other way he when he saw the other things way. happening. Yep. Right. So that was part of, you know, deciding to move our family was, was a decision to be in an environment where we could do the work we're doing now, where we yeah, sure. felt that our values were being respected and that our kids wouldn't be called white, uh, racist at school, even though they're half Cuban. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're called white racist at school. Um, you know, and that was strictly, to be very clear, I've never said anything crazy, okay? <laughs> I, I literally just came out as a Republican on yes. TV, and, and one of the following things was my part Hispanic daughter being told that she's racist because her Hispanic dad believes that there should be some immigration laws that are a little bit stiffer in our country. Mm -hmm. That's not Jeez. a crazy thing. Can, That's can a very mainstream view, or at no. least it has been for most of my life. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and maybe that's changing now, but just the, the irony there that those kids, you know, who, and I hate talking about race, but they're, they're, they're white liberals kids. And yeah. they're telling yeah. a Hispanic yeah. kid that they're racist because their family yeah. is an immigration. You can take this stuff up. Yeah. I mean, it's just, when you see your own can kids, you guys, excuse me just for a second, because you're touching on something that's so huge. The, the hypocrisy of Hollywood's liberalism and tolerance, there is no tolerance if you are somebody that is coming from a perspective, they, they want to talk about race, they want to talk about ultimate bigotry and intolerance uh, for somebody that's taken a stand like you. I just, it's so glaring and just punches you in the nose uh, what, yeah. what flows out of there. So thank you for your story and I, I don't know what else to say about that or what you can bring I, I, out. I, but it's, I would kind of wonder, it seems like people like you are exposing it more. There's, you know, we have a lot of cases that have happened in the last two years that have exposed some of this. Have you seen any changes? Have you seen any movement to some of this stuff so, coming out in the light? Yeah, David, uh, what I would say is, you know, a lot of that is very surfacey in terms of real change. Um, very little, you know, a lot of this is about virtue signaling. Like I will tell you this, like, there's some people who have been called out as, you know, me too. Um, there were producers, which goes back to what she said about sexual quid pro quos in the mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. Some of those people, um, people in Hollywood are very aware that there was a quid pro quo and that those people are now saying that it wasn't that mm. for the sake of saving face because the very link to that person now, say a producer like Harvey Weinstein, would make it look like, oh, if I don't come out and say something, then it looks like I did this of my own volition. So I better say that I did, he did something wrong. And so, and I'm not saying he didn't, because he definitely did a lot of things right. wrong. The guy's, you know, mm -hmm. sick person. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, you know, you look at things like Cuties. Are you guys familiar with this movie, yeah. Cuties on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That in itself is inherently proof that things are not changing. They're actually going in a worse direction because there seems to be this sort of ramp up and I think this is happening in large part all over society. And this is why I spoke up about politics when I did is because I saw this happening and she saw this happening years ago, that there was going to be 
a full court press on throwing everything you can at once to move the needle and move that window of acceptability as far as you can. And that's why you're seeing, it's not just one project, but multiple projects where they're pushing this idea that children are sexual beings. Mm -hmm. They did this in Cuties. They did it in this new movie called The Teacher where um, Rooney Mara, right? I don't know, yeah. One of the Mara girls are the lead actress. And she plays a teacher having a sexual relationship with her young male student. And it's done in a way where they, they frame it as a romanticized thing. They frame it as hot and sexy deal, not as the disgusting, you know, child predator situation that it actually is, you know, and they're doing this in multiple projects on purpose. If you're doing projects like that and you have the biggest distributors in the world, like Netflix going ahead and distributing and marketing those movies, nothing has changed. Right. Because those people behind the scenes who have the power to pull the strings and say, we will not distribute this trash. We will not put this into the system we will not contribute to this sort of depravity are not doing that. And they're, the, they're refusing to do it. And I will say one thing I have to criticize our own side for is we don't have anybody stepping up and saying, hey, you know what? We're funding an alternative and we're going to have a different ecosystem to fight this. Yeah. We're going to have an ecosystem that is not – and it, it can't be overtly religious. It has to be something that is going to be attractive to the majority of society and be able to push values subtly. That's yeah. the name of the game. The left has done this now for decades. They change culture through subtle intervention. And once you get that far enough, you can start to do crazy things like cuties. You know, yeah. So if you want people to understand our values who are not traditionally going to church every weekend, you have to subtly reach out in ways they'll understand about common ideas, like these commonalities that we want our kids to be safe. We don't want our kids to be sexualized. We don't want other kids to be sexualized. We don't want women treated like sex objects. You know, these are things that we can do in subtle ways in our own sort of ecosystem that we're not doing. So that's something that we're trying to work on ourselves, but it, it takes more than just us, you know? So it's gonna take, you know, a real effort from people on our side to fight this and create our own system because there's another part of this too. There's people who have not been um, as open to coming out as we have been, but who have our values in Hollywood. And those people, if there was an alternative ecosystem, they would come out and they have the star power to really make a difference in shifting that window over to our side. So that's, that's something yes. I think is interesting about, about that. Yeah. You were going to ask something. Yeah, while, while Cuties was being produced and Netflix is backing the over-sexualization of our children and trying to make it mainstream, the California legislature also made pedophilia, yep. uh, they, you know, by legislation That's trying to make it more palatable and it's it's tragic because you have you you have the entertainment world you have the political world here in california and 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 this is this is uh setting the culture and it, it's time to push back and like you're saying robbie and you too landon we need a new ecosystem i love that how did you come up with that just God put it in my head. <laughs> that was a simple one. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, um, we'll talk more about cuties too, but I will say in California, you have to also recognize that they're willing to expend political capital on sexualizing kids right now. And, you know, the argument from them, from Scott Wiener, the guy who wrote the bill, is he says, oh, well, I'm just evening up the system because there was a loophole for this to happen if it was male-female, but yeah. not male-male or female-female. Yeah. And I said to, to Scott, because I actually got him to respond on Twitter, I said, you know, it takes a Democrat politician to see a loophole in the law that allows sexualization of children and to say, I need another loophole to make it equal, instead of saying, I need to remove the loophole. Yeah. Which is what we, you need to do. If you see a loophole in the law that allows children to be abused, you remove the loophole. You don't add another one to make sure all children can be abused <laughs> by all adults. That, that's, you know, this is the insanity of what's going on in their brains right now and the political capital they're spending while they're also telling people they can't go to church. Right. I, I, have, to, I have to jump in. I have to jump in. Jackie Irwin, our state assembly member, voted for that legislation. Just everyone viewing, please understand that. And if you're going to reelect her, she's voting for that. So I had to throw that in. Thanks. <laughs> you understand what it means? It means that a 14-year-old who is a child who does not have their, their prefrontal cortex in their brain fully developed until their early 20s is able to have 
sex, which is not really sex, it's, it's, it's rape, mm -hmm. with a 24-year-old, and that 24-year-old will not end up having to um, register. register as a Register, yeah. So that, that's where we're at. And that's, that's just, that's, that's California now. But you look at things with California, you look at, she can talk about CSE. Right, yeah, so that, that, that's a really important aspect to talk, touch on. So we have, you know, Hollywood, we have, um, you know, we have culture, but we have academia, too. It, on board with this pedophilia agenda. Um, and it's seeping into our school systems via the you know, gender inclusivity framework. They always use very clever linguistic manipulation to get people to, you know, for it to be more palatable. Um, but what it is, um, and I would encourage any parent or family watching this to go to stopcse.org. Um, that stands for Comprehensive Sexuality Education. And the, this is coming from Planned Parenthood. So essentially, we're having Planned Parenthood educate our children on prevention when they stand to profit off of our kids being sexualized. That's like asking Coca-Cola to teach our kids how to be healthy. Um, yeah. So it's a complete <laughs> conflict of interest at the very least, right? But it's mm -hmm. at the very worst, it goes deeper. It goes into a UN agenda, a worldwide globalist agenda that starts with the World Health Organization. It goes, it, it connects its tentacles to UNICEF and other NGOs. And there is a real sexual rights agenda for children, yes, children, uh, being promoted. Um, and you can look into this, go deep as you want to research it. Um, but the idea is that they believe, and, and you'll see this also align with um, upper academia and college level. That's why we see at UT, courses on uh, sexual pleasure on infants. The most horrific things you can imagine are being normalized uh, under the guise of science, under the guise of human rights. Um, and this is something we have to wake up to. It's yeah. so important. It's not just the movies. This is happening in our, in our kids' classrooms. And it's this grooming behavior that's happening. It's this power that teachers are given in the classrooms that undermine our parenting, undermine our, our, our values in our homes. Um, they're given the power to uh, indoctrinate our kids with this sexual pleasure, not prevention framework, titled things such as anti-bullying or gender inclusive, things like that, so parents don't know what's actually being taught. Um, and it's highly uh, harmful, not just um, for the health and, and psychological well-being, but we're looking at a real agenda that normalizes sex work. Um, the, the, at the UN, there's a new head of the UN that actually is coming out promoting teen prostitution. And I, it, for our viewers that don't know, prostitution is sexual slavery, is human trafficking. Um, and that's one and of the linguistics the is something like this is yeah. you could get into linguistics just off of everything she just said, because that's a huge thing in what the modern left is doing right now. They're changing our language so that yeah. we don't understand each other. You know, yeah. when when you say, you know, sex, sex work, work, you actually right. just got caught up in their own thing. Right. Because yeah. you accidentally referred to it as sex work when you you would never do that. It's right. they changed well, the, the terminology mm -hmm. from prostitution and trafficking mm -hmm. to sex work. To try to legitimize to it. To legitimize But they it. are yeah. teaching sex work and pornography as a form of healthy sexual expression that our children have a right to. Yeah. This is very Can dangerous. you explain to them what, what they did in Africa where they did these programs, the hot, right. heavy and hot, or is it hot and heavy? Yeah, it's called help, healthy, happy, and hot. This is just <laughs> one program. And now they're very clever about how they do this. Anytime there's any pushback from any you know government or our Parent school groups. system or anything, PTA, they just change the name and they maybe take out certain elements that are problematic, like listing BDSM as an acceptable or um, you know equal form of just showing affection. Equal to holding I don't know hands, how deep you want to things like this, that. But in California, when parents did push back, because we raised the alarm over it while we still lived in California, trying to let mm -hmm. parents know what was happening when they were changing the curriculum standards in California, parents went to Sacramento. They protested, did this whole thing. All they got in return for doing that is they removed two books. Um, if I tell you what's in those books, it's not it's not appropriate for kids. So I don't know if kids watch this. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? Pretend like uh, you, you, you want to dial it down a little bit, but this is, yeah, it's 7 o'clock at night to 8 o'clock. There might be some kids watching, but be careful. I'll, 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 I'll put it that way. It is so inappropriate that I don't want to say it for fear of the fact yeah. that, and yeah. I'll put it this way. Most adults don't know what this stuff is, okay, yeah. that they were going to teach. Um, and they were adamant about teaching. It is the only thing that the parents got them to do is remove these two things. Now, that doesn't 
That didn't take all the crazy stuff out, though. There's still this plethora of crazy stuff that they kept in. That was the tiny concession that the parents got. But that CSE is something that they're actually voting on now. So what a lot of people don't know is California is sort of the curriculum standard setter for the nation. Yeah. So Texas is now voting on having that same CSE. Your, your, sound, your sound piece is a little off, Robbie. It, uh, I'm not sure what happened, but... Oh. It, it, when, you, when you turn your head away, it goes out. So um, maybe just a little, little bit of adjustment. We heard it all, but I just... How am I now? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're great. Good? Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, so what, I, sorry, I don't want to talk over you guys, but I was just mentioning that healthy, happy, and hot. But essentially, they're t teaching kids in Africa that they do not have to disclose their HIV status that they can be as sexually active as they want, and they do not have to disclose their HIV status. So yeah. I well, and yeah. then sex is about pleasure. Yes. Yeah. So, Landon, you were telling us earlier some of the things that you're doing. So we're kind of talking about all the, the problems that are out there. But give us some hope on some of the things that you guys are doing to make a difference. Because you told us about them before we start. So can, you, can we go over yeah. to there and give us the hope of what yeah. you're working on? Yeah, thank you for He's asking. He's so, melting down um, with depression. Yeah, yeah, melting <laughs> he down. Needs a little <laughs> so, um, so, okay, I ha I'm a musician. I'm a singer-songwriter, um, and I, I make my own music. I produce my own music, and all of the sales go to anti-trafficking organizations that I work with. Um, in the past, I've worked with A21. Um, I work with Exodus Cry. I'm working on a big fundraiser, a uh, great cultural event um, in Tennessee um, to raise funds for them. And I'm also the new ambassador for Exodus. Um, and so what I do is I educate on human trafficking. Um, and I do it in a way that's a little unconventional because I really approach it from the cultural lens of, of, of ways that it, it shows up in our lives. So I'm, I'm the person that talks about the uncomfortable things, the political aspects, the, the racial aspects, the things that some people don't want to talk about because it, it puts them in a... In a, in a you know, more of an attack position, but, you know, I'm not afraid of being attacked at this point. I want the truth to get out. I think people need to know, and it, it's about doing what's right by these victims. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, things like open borders equal open trafficking. Um, and that's something I've said continually. Over, over 30,000 women and children are trafficked across our border. Um, it's, a, it's an open pipeline. And so when we have uh, strong borders, that what that's doing is it's making it harder for human traffickers to do business. So when I approach policy, when I talk to people about policy and I advocate for certain policy, it's not coming from the place of an allegiance to being a conservative or Republican. It's coming from the place of, is this policy going to help or harm victims? Is this policy going to help or harm uh, human traffickers. Um, so that's part of the work I do is that education and, and doing it from that cultural aspect. So I, so I have my music, which I donate all the proceeds to these organizations. Um, and then I also uh, do the events in, in our show with my husband. So you can go to my website, Matriarch Songs, uh, find out more about that. And then you can watch our show. We grow have this Up Live. Beautiful this, is, wood. this is why it says Grow Up back grow here. Up our live. show's called Grow Up Live. Yeah. Um, we just had the former director of national intelligence, Rick Grinnell, on. We have a new episode coming out soon with Donald Trump Jr. Um, we had Sidney Powell, General Flynn's lawyer. That's an episode people love. They love yeah. her. She's just yeah. she's incredible. She is. Um, and, uh, you know, so we've been doing that and fighting back. We've been doing freedom rallies to rally for freedom. So in Tennessee, yeah. we're about to do one right now with um, Bill Haggerty, the Senate candidate here. And we've been sort of trying to fuse together faith and we say faith, future, family, uh, freedom. And that's sort of what these events are all about. So we've been doing that and we try to do things that are going to, to have a real world effect on people taking action after they leave, whether that be doing work mm -hmm. for a human trafficking organization and donating their time, or it be donating money, or if it's, um, you know, in this current climate right now, we've been doing a lot of leading people towards doing uh, phone banking towards swing states, things like that, um, things that are going to help do what we feel will be most healthy for our culture going forward. Um, because I do think this election, you know, ultimately does have to do with politics and our faith. You know, right. I mean, there's, there's not really a way around it. If you're pro-life and you believe that babies to have the right to life, you don't have two choices. You have one. And, you know, if that's the case, you have to fight as hard as you can for those people who can't fight, those kids who Amen. can't fight. Mm -hmm. You have to fight for them. And I think that's something a lot of people get complacent and they think somebody else is going to do it. They're not going to do it. You have to do it. 
Um, and that's where we got to is we knew we had to put the work in and whether that meant, you know, losing money or whatever it was like, it was worth it because we're fighting for people who can't fight. Amen. Yeah. What, what, I, I know you guys left California to go to Tennessee. Would you ever, would you ever come back and do one of your events here with us and let us help put it together? If it was with y'all, we If would. it was with you guys, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'd do it. Yes, maybe we'd do it. You know, um, no, we would love to. And, you know, I do actually, for all, all the jokes I make about California, it's, it's where I spent most of my life. Like, California was gorgeous. It's, it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous place. And it's a crown jewel that has just been beaten up, battered, and treated in a way by the, the elected leaders there that is just so shameful because if you had told me 15 years ago that it was even possible to do what they've done, I would have said you were insane. Our system wouldn't allow for it. There's guardrails for this, you know, yeah. and, and that realization that there really aren't and that they were able to do this gets you to the point of understanding how far they can go. Because yeah. that's one of the mm -hmm. things about the Cuban revolution a lot of people miss is how quickly everything can happen. It can happen so fast. Hmm. You, said, you, you, said something, you said something earlier when we were talking, and I, I think all three of us were captivated by it. You said that... Uh, uh, when, when your relatives were commenting, when the revolution began, that yeah. a lot of folks didn't speak up when they knew they could have. Yeah. Uh, touch on that, because uh, we're, we're here in California, and, and you just talked about a place that, yeah, you, you mm -hmm. talked about a place that was beautiful, and mm -hmm. you're, you're hesitant to come. You're saying, well, come if you're there. Mm -hmm. Talk so on it. This is something that really my great grandpa had a huge effect on telling me everything that he's told me about what happened during the revolution. And, you know, one of those things that he really drove home and it, it probably lasted with me the longest of anything is that people were afraid to do anything or say anything because they didn't believe it was going to happen. You know, they thought that it was just kind of a lot of bluster and everything. You know, an interesting thing about the whole story to sidetrack a tiny bit is that Castro didn't outright tell people he was a communist. He actually claimed to be a religious man and that he wasn't going for Marxism and all that. He didn't actually adopt Marxist policy and say we're going to be a Marxist government until after he had power. Yep. In America mm. right now, we have groups and organizations with the, within the Democratic Party that are telling you vocally that they're Marxists, like BLM's founders. The founders of BLM have both said, two out of the three founders have said that they're trained Marxists and Marxism's the goal. They've been adopted, they're fundraising through Act Blue, which is the Democratic Party's digital fundraising arm. Yep. You know, those things by itself are telling you they're being more brazen than, than Castro was in Cuba, even about what their goals are. So um, to go back to your question, though, Cuban people at the time were afraid to speak out because they didn't want to lose friends. They were afraid to speak out because they didn't want to lose business. They were afraid to speak out for, you know, any one of those same reasons that people right now here in America are afraid to speak out. And I'm here to tell you that it's not just bluster this time. It's not just people crying socialism. It's not the, the boy who cried socialism. It, it really is a real problem that we are facing. It can happen this quickly, and we're there. We're at that moment where you do have to speak up. You, you do have to stand for what you believe in, and you do have to, you have to have that fight in you. You have to want to make sure that our kids and our grandkids are not going to grow up in a country that is the antithesis of the freedoms this nation was founded on. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And really, I think that's a, such a segue and give it to you, Rob, is that that's what we're here in the churches of America. We're getting the word. It's okay. And for me, the issue is if you don't speak now, we'll be at that place because God's people or even a conservative person that's not a Christian but uh, is a patriot knows the, the founding principles of our, our constitution. And incrementally, we're going to be in a stranglehold like a, a boa constrictor. You know, with every breath, it's, it's getting choked out of us. Uh, so we, we just had a court hearing. Uh, we're standing in defiance to the county's lockdown orders, and our church is no mass, no social distancing, and we're in violation of an emergency restraining order. And we've been wide open since May 31st, and we haven't had one case of COVID, but we've been fined, Good. and they want to cite up to 1,000 does, whether congregants or visitors. Um, 
because we, we violated this restraining order. And Rick joined me for our court hearing. We wanted them to lift the injunction, which they didn't. But what, was, what, what hit me was that the plaintiff's attorneys for the, for the county stated that there's churches that agree with us that you should remain locked down. So they've divided wow. the body of Christ, and we have evangelical ministers who are standing with the county um, in, in attacking another member of the body of Christ. That they stand Let me ask you a question. In your county, did they allow people to go out on the streets and, and protest yeah, and, and yeah, we, all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've done all that. Yeah, the, the governor and, and the, even our, you know, Dr. Robert Levin, the, the health officer, embraced BLM rioting. So, it, not rioting, but he... he that he, tells you everything. Yeah, it tells it does. you everything. Yeah. And, and we know that. But the, but the point is, and what, what Rick was saying, is just like in Cuba, mm -hmm. they've pitted the church against itself. Mm -hmm. You're either yeah. with the government or you're not. And, and you have tyrannical, draconian governance in California, which, which is the cultural center of over-sexualization of our, our children, legalizing pedophilia, and it's a dominated political structure, strictly Democrat with a supermajority both in the Assembly and the Senate. So I get why you're in Tennessee, but I want to tell you both right now, I'm grateful for the connection that, that God's given us, even if it's over the internet, mm -hmm. But we're going to do, you, you're going to do things with us and we're going to do things with you guys. We're going to do this together to take back the culture. Mm -hmm. you, you now Let's have in California mm -hmm. enormous fans mm -hmm. of, of Robbie and Landon. Mm -hmm. and, and we're ready to do whatever it is we need to do to get you guys mm -hmm. and the message you have out to as many people as, as we know. Yeah. You're amazing. You. You're amazing yeah. with a capital A. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate that. And, and y'all yeah. are amazing. I think everybody ha has a has a part to play. You know, wherever you feel called to be is where you're supposed to be fighting right. yeah. this. You know, that you guys are on the ideological battleground. Um, you know, we're we're here because this is what you know enables us to to do have this yeah. setup and have the freedom and resources yeah. to to be building this behind the scenes. This whole ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We're starting it. Um, you know, so we all have a different role and everybody ha has to decide, you know, what to listen to that inner guidance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, God is calling each and each one of us to speak up and there are consequences for that, yes. you know, mm -hmm. and we do it anyway. Yeah. Well, you guys, I, I, you guys had the consequences think, of stepping away from Hollywood and coming out. And, uh, and I think Rob's heart and my heart when he invited me to come join him is that uh, Rob and I would rather go to jail now preemptively ahead of 10 years from now what's happening in our nation than seeing a, yep. pa a thousand pastors going to jail. So if we yep. have to be the first ones to go to jail to make a stand and to bring this into awareness, just like you guys are making a stand and bringing it into awareness, is it, it's all worth it. It's all you worth it. You guys are so right. You guys are so right. I'm actually, so, I just want to say I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. There's so many, time. I, I am disappointed in so many um, churches and the leadership there just capitulating and being fearful mm -hmm. and caring more about the mob mentality and mm -hmm. the, the, who's going to be mad who's at gonna them, be mad caring at them about God and caring faith. about, yeah. you know, when you're, what you're standing for is all of our religious liberty and liberty, you know, our freedom yeah. in general, you know, mm -hmm. where the freest part of the world is the part that you can freely worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the, that's yeah. the yeah. parameter here. Yeah. Um, you, so I think it's amazing that you guys are doing that. Yeah. yeah. You, You'll yeah. have an army behind you. If they, if they, if they have the insane gall to arrest you guys, you'll have an army behind you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a, a thousand percent. I mean, but yeah. I just, I have no other way to express it, but I'm just so proud of you guys. Yeah. Cause I've actually, we've talked about this before and I'm like, in one of those places, that's that's what it's going to take. I, I was I, I was going to ask is that it's kind of like what Rob and our church is doing parallels what you guys are doing. You took a stand, you counted the costs, which could have been everything. Rob's counted the costs when we, as a church, made it. We 
willing to give up everything. What would you distinctively say to the pastors and the people that are in the industry? Because we've had a, great, a lot of great people in your industry come, Kirk Cameron, the Sorbos, everybody. There's still some people that are kind of on the fence. What would be like a distinctive the Sorbos message. aren't on the fence, but... Yeah. What's that? The Sorbos No, 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 I'm fence. saying we've had a lot of people come, but we still have other people that are kind of thinking about it. No, they're strongly on our... So what would you say distinctively uh, uh, to people that are still trying to figure out where they're going? Pastors and nice actors. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I ultimately, um, what you have to lose by standing up and, and fighting for what you believe in is far less than what you will have to lose for saying nothing. So that is the ultimate you know, decision you have to make, the individual has to make. Yeah. I, I wanna, we're, we're at the top of the hour and I, I, we typically close about this time. We wanna have you guys back on. I, I've heard it said that you can vote yourself into socialism but you can only shoot your way out. And, yep. and Landon, what you just pointed out that you know, we, we've been fined $3,000 and, and whatever since then, and then all the other violations, they could add it up, and it'd be thousands of dollars. I'm not paying a penny of it. Put me in jail. And, and if, if there's jail time awaiting us, it is a small price to pay mm -hmm. for liberty. Mm -hmm. And I'm 56. You guys combined, I don't think, equal 56. <laughs> and if you do, you preserve really well. We, we do. We, we're, we're past 56. We're in our 60s collectively put together. Oh, okay, good. Great for you. <laughs> but my point is this. I'm blessed to see a younger generation yeah. that isn't drinking the Kool-Aid of, yeah. of tyranny mm -hmm. and enslavement yeah. and mm -hmm. that you... Your, your voice is far more articulate mm -hmm. than ours, mm -hmm. and I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. We're here to help. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you need. We'll do it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. So and much. it's going to begin because, uh, you know, we're limited on time, but it's going to begin right now. The help that we're offering right now is the greatest gift of all of us. It's the power of prayer, and, and Pastor Rick's going to pray for you. Amen. But after the prayer, because is anything worth doing if you can do it apart from prayer? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's worth doing if you can't do it apart from prayer. Yes. But following that, whatever resources we have, let us know we're here to help. We want to bless you. Yeah. And, and we want to awesome. see what you're doing grow. Yeah. So why don't you pray for Thank that? Thank you so much. Let's pray. All right. Father, we are just so blessed and refreshed to hear Robbie and Landon's heart. Mm -hmm. We're just uh, overflowing with um, their understanding of the stand they've taken, what they're doing, um, and the cost of their lives. And we just ask right now that, Lord, by your grace, you would open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing and such resources, such encouragement, such wisdom and revelation and insight uh, how they can move forward with their incredible gifting and abilities and the platform you've given them. And we just pray that uh, you would just do abundantly above and beyond anything they could even hope, think, or ask. And so, Lord, we just thank you for our uh, brother and sister and pray that they would go forth um, with God's speed, with your blessing on their lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Any, any, any last thoughts? Because at, at the conclusion of our live stream, uh, we, we read a blessing out of number six, which has been traditional for 180 plus episodes. But if there's any last things you'd like to share before we place the blessing on you and all of our viewers. Anything you think of? No, we're doing our rally coming up, so you, you can join li the live stream. Oh, yeah, it'll be um, on live stream. So if yeah. you go to uh, our YouTube, youtube.com slash Robbie Starbuck, we'll be live streaming it there. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys let me know, too, if there's something you want me to share on my YouTube, because it's, it's sort of a younger audience that is um, not traditionally politically engaged and not traditionally maybe fully religiously engaged either, and that's kind of why it's been sort of a, an interesting thing. And, and I had, you know... Um, the luck of through my career before having a large viewership. So having, I think we have 150 million views on the channel Jeez, and a hundred, 
like 30,000 subscribers or something like that. If there's ever anything I can share from your guys' stuff or this interview or whatever, just let me know, and I'm happy to do it. I'm, I'm a neophyte when it comes to social media. We started this with zero followers, trying subscribers trying to keep uh, our 65 and older folks who were quarantined and, uh, and alone uh, in touch. And now we have almost 13,000 YouTube subscribers, which for us is 13,000 more than we've ever had. And then we talk to someone like you, and I feel so insignificant. Um, so. No, no. I, 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 YouTube, I thought you guys are growing really fast. You're actually, there's a, you guys know about exponential growth. You guys are actually at an amazing place to continue that growth. It's, yeah. it's actually like, it's actually harder. That first bit is way harder than the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, that first bit of, of building that audience there of people who want to consume long form content way harder than the second part of the, you know, as it exponentially grows. Well, I have to tell you, you're captivating. Anything you want to share, it's yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the content is worth, worthy of of your program, you're welcome to it. Um, And, but I'm, I'm just looking forward to helping you in any way, shape or form. I want to stay connected because I, I know, especially with uh, Charlie Kirk and like Rick Rennell, uh, he was the first one to help me get endorsed by the Log Cabin Republicans, standing on behalf of the fact that I believe in traditional marriage. And, and, and I was, you know, getting kind of attacked by that group. And Rick stood up and he said, look, I come from an evangelical family. And, and he understands a pluralistic society that we don't, we don't have to ta- destroy one another. Politics is done by addition and multiplication, not by division and subtraction. Yeah. And, and there's lots to learn. And you guys get it. And I'm thrilled. So we'll, we'll talk forever, and I'll just leave it alone at that. I'm going to place. Yeah, a, definitely. I'm going to place a blessing on you, and from the Lord's word, from His word, and uh, and then we'll we'll have you back on again. Is that cool? Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Here here it is. You'll see it on the screen. It's out of number six. Let's bring it up here. There we. Go. No, that's oh, them. Go. We got to figure that, it out, that, Micah. That's good. <laughs> All right. I'll just read it. You guys. I'll just read it to him. The Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Robbie and Landon, in Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you. You're awesome. That was cool. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. We, we're so happy Bye to have guys. done this and meet you guys. Thank you all for being amen. so brave. Oh, you, you guys are amazing. Bless you. All right. Well, that. That, that that was a, a really wonderful live stream. Yeah, that was awesome. They're delightful yeah. people. They're, yeah. Well, that younger generation to have, a, you kind of feel like yeah. all the people with gray hair are... are Shut are, up. You, you don't know. have gray hair. <laughs> ...are sharing this story yeah. and to have young people we like that. We can't have him on all the yeah. time. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, yeah. let me tell you... No, no I'm going to interrupt because we're out of time. I wanted to tell you that the best, the best picture on the screen yeah. is when they were full screen. Yeah. It's, I, we They're should have had that the whole time. They're, They're such a, the a sweet-looking yeah. couple. Yeah, I agree. All right. We'll talk more later on all that other stuff. <laughs> I thought we were off there already. I'm no, sorry. No. We're just rambling on. I was just we're having gonna, fun. We're going to go off now. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>